everybody. This is John Barrows with Big Barrows Consulting. Make it happen Monday. So hopefully you all had a fantastic weekend. Mine was decent. My Celtics got absolutely smoked by the Cavs. So uh, I'm not exactly thrilled about that, but everything else was cool. Um, and I'm super excited to announce here today, we're, we're coming up on 100,000. Actually, I think we just crossed it. 100,000 downloads for the podcast, which uh, I was never expecting in my wildest imaginations when we launched this thing. So we're running a little promo here for anybody who's listening to this podcast or watching this right now. Take a screenshot of it, throw it out there on social, uh, tag me on it, and we're giving away a whole bunch of Make It Happen gear for this week. So uh, because of just to celebrate and say thank you all for listening. So with that, and I thought today was actually going to be a really good uh, uh, episode here to help celebrate that as well. I'm here with Bill Hart from Building Champions. Bill, want to introduce everybody to yourself and give them a little background on you, where you're coming from and what Building Champions is all about? Thanks, John. You bet. Yeah, so Building Champions is uh, an executive coaching firm out of Portland, Oregon. I live in Southern California. Uh, you can live anywhere, right? Do what we do. Uh, but we started our business about 20 years ago in the mortgage space. That's where uh, all of the coaches came from. Right now, our number one client is Daimler, uh, the German entity that, that owns Chrysler and Mercedes. Number two, talk about random, is Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I don't know. I can't explain it, right? People. Oh, yeah. By the way, just to jump in there, all I got to no, say is you must yeah. be doing something right with Chick-fil-A because everywhere I go, Chick-fil-A's are bananas. <laughs> like, you know, you go to the food court in the mall here in Boston, right? And yep. every other place is empty and Chick-fil-A's got a line around the corner. So I don't know if it's yep. got to be on a combination of everything, but man, whatever's going on over there, they got they got the special sauce. They do, they, and and they do it in six days, and they're closed on Sundays. So right, yeah, exactly, bigger, right, yeah, yep. it's pretty pretty special stuff. Um, but my space historically has been mortgage and real estate, and that's where I've spent the vast majority of my time. Uh, got into the business fifteen years ago, thirty years, well, thirty five in sales. I mean, my sales career started selling airplanes to people who didn't need them. So <laughs> if you're gonna cut your chops on a on a high ticket price in sales, right? That's that's the gig. So it was in the 80s and we were selling airplanes to actors and attorneys and uh, and directors because back then you you could uh, you could appreciate the airplane straight line depreciation over five years if you leased it back. You could take a 10% investment tax credit off the bottom line of your taxes. So imagine, John, if I sold you a quarter of a million dollar airplane and you had a $25,000 tax liability, it's a wash that year, right? Pretty, it was a pretty big deal. So anyway, I sold airplane, sold sold an airplane to uh, Bruce Jenner when he was a guy. So <laughs> that's an interesting claim to fame, right? Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> it was a different day, man. It was a different. Right. Day. We, uh, I got into real estate after that, and then I got into the mortgage business, and and I've been. Uh, I've been coaching, as I said, for about 15 years. The thing for me with the military connection that we'll talk about with the book is, I mean, I didn't serve in the military, although you can now see in the background, right, there's an American flag pillow there, and there's a there's a picture of a bunch of guys in Iraq with an American flag in front of a tank, and that's me with Chris Kyle back in the day, the American sniper. And so anyway, but where that all came from is when I read Lone Survivor, I think I've yeah. got it here, that book in 08, I think it was, it just rocked my world before it was even a movie, right? Lone Survivor, this story by Marcus Luttrell 
of what they go through, John, in, in compared to my life, right? And compared to the people that pay me a thousand bucks an hour for coaching, it's like no comparison. No. And it just no. rocked my world. Yeah. And I started to see this sort of parallel between the elite in the special forces and the elite in sales, and there are parallels. So that's where the idea for the book came from and where my appreciation for veterans came from. I love it. And and just for everybody's uh, knowledge, it's called White Collar Warrior, right? And it, is it already out or are you launching it tomorrow? Tomorrow. tomorrow. It's available for pre-order today. It is out tomorrow on Amazon. Uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's, it's been a labor of love. The subtitle is, so it's White Collar Warrior. Yep. Lessons for sales professionals from America's military elite. Okay. And that's the weird little bridge that I found. Yeah. yeah and that's, I mean, so we'll, we'll make sure all the, uh, the, the links and stuff are in the, on the Facebook thing. And also for those people listening to the podcast, go on Amazon, white collar warrior pre pre-order it here, but let's talk about that because I do think there is, there is something that separates great. You know, I, I've never been part of the military. I've always admired it and I've always had a deep, deep, deep respect for it and appreciation, um, but I've never been there. But I, you know, in sales, I try to do what I can to stay into that top, you know, 1%, if you will. And I've always done that. And I, you know, I've asked my parents a long time ago, because now I have a daughter. I'm like, hey, you know, what did you do to instill that work ethic in me? Because I just feel like, you know, I knew early in my career, I couldn't control much, but I could control my effort, right? So I figured I'd just, I'd just try harder than everybody else. And I'd figure it out along the way. And I think one of the things that, um, you know, people always ask me, John, what's the secret to success? You know, you've gotten to a pretty decent part, you know, place in your career and those type of things. And my answer is always, uh, there's no special sauce. It's just working your ass off. Yep. So, so what are some of the things that you've seen from those elite athletes or I'm sorry, elite um, military and veterans and that and people who excel in those areas? And what are some of those common you know, things that you can make connections to here in sales? Yeah, man. So, I mean, in no particular order, the one that comes to mind when you say that, and, and this comes up a lot for me in coaching is discipline. Yeah. And here's the reason I think I'm so emphatic about this. If I'm completely transparent, I did not learn discipline as a kid. Yeah. I didn't. I was yeah. not an exceptional athlete. I wasn't an exceptional student. I didn't learn martial arts. I didn't learn a musical instrument. I just didn't. I didn't figure that out until later in life. And it's much more, it's like learning a language later in life, right? It's much more difficult. How old is your daughter now? Seven. Yeah. Get a seven-year-old learning Japanese and she'll rock it when she's 25, right? Oh, but yep. try and learn it at 25 and you're like, uh, I don't know that I could make that sound. Because a lot of times you have to unlearn stuff to learn, right? Oh. Because because you're so conditioned to learning in a certain way and then you get off of that track, especially when you got out of school and, and you don't, you're not in that, that muscle memory isn't there, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so here's the thing, right? If somebody's watching or listening to us right now and you're like me and you're like, don't. I, I didn't get it when I was younger. Well, do what I did. I mean, right. You just, you got to double down, do what you did. It's, it's outwork everybody. But if you ask for the, the synapses, right? Like what are those connection points? Um, number one is discipline. So if you're listening to this and or watching this and you figured it out someplace else, right? You throw weights around in the gym, you run long distances, you learn to play the violin as a kid, whatever. I'm telling you, tap into that because as a coach, that's something that I work with, John. If I can find that someplace else in a person's life in coaching, I'll take them back there. Like like my granddaughter right now, she's 
She's 15. She's a competitive ice skater. She's done it for eight years. I know for a fact that as difficult as it is right now for her as a teenager, I, all I have to do is talk to my daughter about that, right? Know that it's difficult. Mm-hmm. But those 4 a.m. cold mornings, they're going to come back and pay dividends for her. So if you've figured this out someplace else, you've got an unfair competitive advantage, use it. Use that discipline. So that's the first one that comes to mind for me. So, so let's dig into that a bit. So from yeah. a discipline standpoint, there's that can be that can be taken in a million different ways, right? It's discipline to to you know do the right things every day. It's discipline in structuring your days. What are some of the areas from a sales rep standpoint that that you see having the highest impact that they have discipline with? Yeah, great point. So so I, I joke that this will be my second book, and it might actually be my second book, but I call it the by noon effect. I don't know if you ever read. Uh, Hal Elrod's book, Miracle Morning. It's a great read. The basic premise is I see more successful people getting things done early than average people, right? So if you're a sales rep and you want to get better results, I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to call you out right now, particularly if you're in your 20s and 30s. So get ready. This is the gray-haired coach coming in with the goods. If you're binge watching Netflix at 11 o'clock at night, it's a mistake. Yeah, It's a mistake. What you're doing is you're stealing your better future from current like potato chips for the mind right now. Look, I get it. There's some great shows out there. Mm-hmm. But I talk to an awful lot of people that go to bed late, which then dictates what time they get up. Then they hammer themselves on. Ah, I know I should have gotten up earlier, but I don't have time to eat right now. I'm going to run. They don't get any fuel in their system. They run in, they're, they're on the phone as they're driving. They, they kind of come flying into their day out of control. That's a mistake. Yeah. So if you ask me, like, what's one place where, where sales reps can focus right now? That's it. And it's an easy thing to change. I'm not saying it's, it's simple. It's not right. easy. It's a simple thing to change. Yeah. Good. So wake up earlier, right? Wake up earlier. Knock out your non-negotiable disciplines. You know as well as I do, there are calls that you need to return, emails you need to jump on, posts that you need to be on top of, responses that you need to do. If you do those first before the rest of the world wakes up, Brian Tracy calls it the golden hour, that hour before everybody else kind of gets in, right, and starts waking up. If you knock that out, you can have the rest of your day to react, but be intentional about what I call the by noon effect. Just try and get more done by noon. It's funny because uh, you, I'm sure you follow Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Totally. Right. So, so he's got an interesting take on this because I, I actually lean a little. I, I leaned a little bit more towards him uh, with this than because I understand what he's trying to say. People say, "Oh, is it better to wake up early or you know morning or the other type of stuff?" And he's like, "It doesn't matter how much you sleep. It's matter what you do when you're awake." Right? That's his For whole sure. thing. It's like. So, yeah. If you're a night owl and you stay up until three o'clock in the morning and then don't get up until 11 o'clock. But I but I tend to err a little bit more on the getting up earlier side, even though, you know, I, I do agree it makes a difference what you do when you're awake. Yeah. But it's because it's that clarity. It's because it's like you're into your day and you're midstream. You're, okay. you're hitting your stride by by the time everybody starts trying to get up to theirs right that's right and for example i was in london uh, i was in london and dublin this week and you know five hour time difference from boston here and uh and i you know and i forced myself to hit on their time zone as quickly as i possibly can so when i get home saturday i got home late on friday right i and i stayed up late so i could you know so i could kind of readjust back on my schedule here and what happened was obviously on Saturday morning, I popped up, a, I, I, 
I think I woke up at three thirty, and then I forced myself to go back in bed until about four thirty five o'clock, and then I just stood, sat there like staring at the ceiling. So I'm like, you know what, might as well get up. My wife isn't up, my daughter isn't up, so I had three hours, and I decided to come into the office, you know, kind of clean up from the week, get some emails done, went around the house, cleaned a few things up there, and by the time they woke up, like I was, I, I was completely, I felt. Um, very accomplished right by by eight o'clock in the morning which is obviously very rare right and so i felt a lot more at ease throughout the rest of the day because in the back of my head i wasn't having all these things oh shit sunday night i gotta you know i gotta make sure that i do all this stuff to prep for monday and it allowed me for month you know sunday night just to hang out and watch movies with my family you know what i mean so i actually do agree with like getting if you can get up a little bit earlier um, because I think the whole momentum piece kicks into gear, not even just, Hey, you got a bunch of stuff done, but again, you're mid stride when everybody else is just starting. Totally. Right. I love it. Cool. So there's a guy in the book that yeah. the, 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 the book opens comparing a Navy SEALs life during hell week. If you know anything about buds, it's what they go through and it's just unbelievable sleep deprivation and physicality and hypothermia and, guns blaring and lights flashing. It's completely disorienting, right? And, you know, a very small percentage of those guys make it through, right? The vast majority ring the bell, put their helmet down on the line, and they and they go off to do something else in the Navy, but they're not going to be a SEAL. Right. Um, I contrast that to a guy that I used to coach who literally woke up every morning. Now, just think about this, because this is anecdotal evidence. It's not gospel, but it's anecdotal evidence. He woke up at 3.30 in the morning, the very first thing he did was he we, at Building Champions, we have clients do a life plan. So that's right. the very first thing they do. They, they do like a business plan for their life and then a business plan. He would review those two things. He quoted Darren Hardy. I don't know if you're a fan of Darren or not, but the uh, publisher of Success Magazine. You know, Darren? Yep. Yeah. And, and he calls it, Darren calls it calibrating your day. So I would love for people listening right now or watching to file that thought away or maybe make that note. Like I need to calibrate my day. In other words, what he was doing is he was saying, this is my true North. This is where I'm going. Now, if you start your day there, then you work out, then you return emails, then you slide into breakfast with your child and spouse long before the rest of the world is rolling. Are you going to go to bed earlier? Yeah. This guy in his thirties was going to bed at nine o'clock. I know that sounds crazy, but let me tell you what else sounds crazy. He owns a hundred rental properties, John, a hundred. He's 40. Yeah. He owns a hundred rental properties. He drives a previously depreciated Range Rover, right? That was three years old that somebody else took the hit on the depreciation. He owns his home free and clear. He's got passive income far beyond what most people can imagine because he was willing to do what most people wouldn't do. So if you're a sales rep, I want to challenge you. You don't have to get up at 3.30. But if you're getting up at seven, I'm just going to call it out. It's too late. It's too late. Get up at six. And if a coach ever asks you, what time do you wake up? And your response is, well, you know, it's uh, that's not a good answer. Yeah. You got to like name a time, be resolute. And have a routine too. I think that the, what I've gotten into a lot these days is, is having this morning routine, right? Where instead of checking fantasy league, because everybody has one, whether it's formally structured or not, you know, who knows, right? But, you know, I used to check my fantasy leagues or whatever, come in and talk to people about the game last night, those type of things. Now I've, I've adjusted that to I review my data. You know, I, I check out my plan for the day. 
Uh, and then I look at, you know, I follow all my top accounts on, on some social listening tools and I, and I follow some blogs and stuff like that, that I want to use to educate myself for the day based on my personas and the clients that I'm after. And so just for an hour, I'm kind of skimming through information and seeing if I can pick up on anything. And it's that routine, I think. So it's not only having so discipline and obviously having a discipline to do certain things, but also having a routine around them so that you do them consistently. That's right. Because it's kind of like working out. Like I suck at working out. And there's a reason I suck at working out is because I'm an event driven worker outer. You know what I mean? Like I like I if I gotta go to, if I if I'm going to the you know on vacation in a month, I'll be at the gym every day ripping <laughs> up all the food and all the other stuff. And then I'll go to the, you know, I'll go to the beach and then I'll come home and be like, oh pizza, beer, fuck it. You yeah. know, like yeah. so this is what happens. Now I know that if I just woke up every morning did a bunch of sit-ups, bunch of push-ups, 15 minutes of cardio that I'd actually maintain a really healthy lifestyle from a, you know what I mean? And I wouldn't have to totally. do So I think a lot of it has to do with creating a routine that you can stick to and not adding it to. I think this is the big challenge that people have is when we, you and I talk about stuff like this, it's like, yeah, that's yet another thing that I got to add to my plate here, Bill. Like what the fuck? I only have so much time in the day. We'll wake up totally. earlier. Okay, we'll, okay. But talk about replacing things. Right. So it's like, that's the key, right? Take those, the, the binge watching of, of game of Thrones. Totally. Place that with something that's more healthy for you. And from a business and a lifestyle standpoint. Right. So, so check this out. This is a very low tech way to bring this image up. I'm sure there's another way to do it, but I'm just going to do it. So this is a guy that I coach. I don't know the exact number. I'll have to look it up, but he's probably 37. And last year he did, I think it's 66,295 pushups. I could be wrong on the number, but here's what it was. He yeah. did one he, he did one pushup on January 1st. He did 365 December 31st. He cool. this is the only thing he changed in his workout. Damn. Dude, one year. What's the difference? The difference is January 2nd he did two pushups. January yeah. 3rd he did three. He was that disciplined to something. And I get that everybody's question is towards the end, like, dude, really 365 pushups? Yeah. In sets of 50. Right. Right. Transformed his body. So look, Jim Rohn told us years ago, my favorite quote, I often have clients memorize this. It's, we must all suffer from one of two pains, the the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. The difference is discipline weighs ounces while regret weighs tons. So Ken, Ken Perry is his name, if you want to follow him, by the way. Um, Ken said, I am going to feel the pain of discipline. It's not a huge pain, but it's a pain. What's the pain of regret? I got 30 extra pounds. I used to have a 32-inch waist. I got a 35-inch waist. I can't fit into that $1,000 suit, right? Yep. Yeah. No, regret weighs heavy on you too. I mean, figuratively and literally, right? I mean, <laughs> I always, it's funny. I had an old manager, a boss who said, you know, take the gym analogy again. Like you're either in or you're not. He's like, the worst part is people who sign up for the gym and, and decide not to go. Like, say you wake up in the morning, you decide not to go, right? Or you wake up that day and you decide, you know what? I'm not going to the gym today. And then you sit on the couch and you eat ice cream. And and you're sitting there telling like feeling regret for not going to the gym. Absolutely. And so it's either eat the fucking ice cream or go to the gym. Don't <laughs> sit in the middle here, right? Like accept the fact. Be like, you know what? Screw it. I didn't go to the gym today. Totally. House a bunch of ice cream here, and I'm not going to feel bad about the fact because this is a choice, right? Absolutely. But I think that, that regret weighs so heavy on people. 
and and you know that prevents them from doing more stuff. Hundred percent. So, so here here here's my phrase on that. So I I was talking to the publisher. I'm a first time author, right? This is all brand new to me. And, and he's saying, so, you know, you got to figure out like your go-to phrase, right? When you sign the book. So, and I, it never occurred to me that you sign on the title page, right? That's, that's what you do. And yep. he said, you need to get a good blue pen and you need to be prepared for that. Cause you're going to be talking to people and you got to be able to do this, make sure you spell their name, right? Cause there's a lot of variations for John. Um, but the go-to phrase for me, which is just something that I've said for years is if you're going to be in, be all in. Yeah. We're going to be in, be all in, be all in at the gym, be all in as a dad, be all in as a spouse, be all in as a sales rep, right? Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for average. That's my point. No, that whole be in, you know, it's like, I couldn't agree with that more as far as just, you got to commit to it. And and if you don't, then it's that middle ground is what kills people, right? Um, because then, then there's indecision. And I, cause I used to have a, I have 12 guidelines to success and they all line up pretty directly with what we're talking about here. One is the rule of 1%, which is, I got from Ken Blanchard's book, yes. uh, um, uh, raving fans, right? Yes. Which, yes. Know who you are, know what your customer wants of you and then add 1% every better every day. So That's every day awesome. don't, don't set the bar at a high, you know, high level. And then once you achieve that bar, go up here. Once you hit that, go 1% better every day, right? right? So can you make one more cold call every day? Can you send that one extra email? Can you do that one extra push-up, right? Totally. And then the other one, which I changed recently, because I, I had one that, that said, uh, always have a plan B. But I actually, as I've, as I've evolved, I've realized that's actually a bad idea because having a plan B distracts from your plan A, right? Love that. You're um, absolutely right. Fun in on your plan a if you have a plan b yeah but i i change it to always be okay with worst case scenario so every decision you make look at it and ask yourself what is the absolute worst case scenario that can happen here and if it and if you're okay with that then do it fuck it right i love that john i so i tell a story in the book that i use in coaching all the time i didn't realize i did all this stuff by the way until i i started to be interviewed about the book and then it's like yeah i guess i do have a story for that i've been doing this a long time but I call it show them the dead body. So in order to fall asleep at night, my wife watches old episodes of Law and Order, right? <laughs> so as I'm falling asleep, I hear dun, dun. <laughs> Yeah. But every episode, think about it, right? Whether it's NCIS or Law and Order, whatever, it all starts the same. There's some happy-go-lucky situation, and then the person's dead, and then the detectives are around the yellow do-not-cross tape, and then they mm-hmm. sort of reverse engineer the story, right? Like, what happened? How did the person die? So what I try and help clients do is what you just said, and that is I try and show them the dead body. Like if you continue this behavior, classic example, had a guy who after a year of coaching finally confessed to me, he said, dude, I drink a, a six pack of Diet Coke every day. Oh. I said, okay, so oh. that's a really bad plan. It's a, it's, you think because it's diet, there's something good going on in there, right? There's nothing. He just kept gaining weight, right? So. He did that. He gave it up because I asked him to future his thinking. Well, how do you think this is going to end up? Well, I don't know. I hear it leaches calcium from my bones and maybe I get osteoporosis. Maybe. Right. What would happen if you replace that with water? I'd probably be more hydrated and I'd pee more and that'd probably be good for my system. And yeah, I mean, let's go through all the list of what, what could possibly go wrong. So I think sometimes looking at the dead body, John, with your current behavior, again, if it's your personal relationships, if it's the calls you're making, if you go home to, so today, whatever day you're watching or listening to this, seriously, when you go home, think back over your day and just ask yourself, 
Did I give it my all? Was I all in? If not, then you actually may have gone backwards, right? You didn't, it's probably not homeostasis. You're not just sitting there, but you definitely did move forward, which means tomorrow you got to hustle twice as much. And that's see that this exact same concept with the rule of 1%. Like I, I tell kids, you know, go home and, and just look yourself in the mirror and just ask yourself, was I better today than I was yesterday? Totally. And if you can genuinely answer that question, then keep moving. But if not, then you got to do something about it tomorrow and plan for it. Right. Absolutely. So, so we only have a few minutes. Left. What are yeah, some man. other things that, that you think, I mean, there's discipline, there's, there's structure, there's effort, you know, other things that sales reps, like individual sales reps can look at from, from the experience that you've had that, that say, yeah. I can do that or I should be doing that different. Yeah. So chapter three is about training and, you know, with the SEALs and the Rangers and I interviewed a uh, top gun instructor, arguably he has the most expensive like flight education in history because he's the last guy before they're, they're flying drones out of, uh, out of Vegas in a bunker. Right. But um, these guys to a person will all tell you, and they are all guys because it's, it's special operations and it will include women, but right now it's all men. They will all tell you they train every single day, John. They train and train and train more. And in our business, in sales, in any industry, it's easy to skip the training and to miss the training and not be fully present for great training. So what I would say to you is, if you don't know what to say in a particular situation, if you're not great at the right questions, if you don't know your product dead solid inside out, like I can answer any question, you got to do more training. And so it, in my opinion, it's make yourself as sharp as you can possibly be. So it's, it's ask yourself this question. How do I show up? Mm-hmm. If I show up solid, awesome. Great training. If there's gaps, you need to train harder. What is your, di- what is the difference between training and practice in your mm-hmm. opinion? Cause I look at it and I say, look, we might not all have the time every day. Like I look at training as reading a new article, you know, picking something real quick, doing a Google search on it, whatever yep. it is. But you can also translate that, at least in my opinion, to practice and be conscious, be conscious so, about it. Right? So most of us don't consciously practice sales. We yep. we do sales and we learn almost through osmosis. It's like, oh, I asked a stupid question to a CEO and the CEO said that's a stupid fucking question. And so I'm yep. not going to ask that again. Right. But, but what are your thoughts on a sales reps with a conscious mindset of practicing sales yep. compared to actually training or learning sales? So great question. I've never had it asked that way before, but I 100% agree with you. I think they're two different things. In golf, if I go to my golf instructor and she, she's a great instructor, she's a woman, um, and she says, you know what, on your downswing, you need to bring that right elbow in a little bit more. That's training. That's something that she's got me on video. I'm looking at it like, wow, I hadn't thought about that. That's good. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a new script. Maybe it's a new way to ask a question. Maybe it's listening better, right? Biting my tongue and not talking. But practicing is now I go to the range without her mm-hmm. and I practice that. So I would do the same thing. I tell the clients all the time, and I know we're short on time, but like listening is such a big one, John. That's something you can practice. So consider this training today. We just talked about it. But now when you're listening to somebody, listen before you respond, right? Don't say as soon as they're done with their babble, I'm going to tell them how it is. That's a mistake. Listen, process, then respond. You can do that with your spouse. You can do that with the waiter. You can do that all day long. That's in my mind, that's practice versus training. 
Well, and here's a very tactical thing. Here's a very tactical thing, which is, you know, layering questions. Here's an easy way for everybody listening right now to practice active listening. And it's called using layering questions. Sandler has this with their pain funnel, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. But it's introduce a, could you explain to me how, could you give me an example of what you mean by that? Love could you that. clarify for me what you mean? And then the other way of practicing that is regurgitating it back to the client, obviously active listening. Bill, what I thought, what I think I heard, which is said there was X, Y, Z. Is that true? Totally. That is, that is such an easy way to practice it's perfect. Active listening, right? Without having to try too hard. I've actually, I've actually. to the guy. That's great coaching. Yeah. So it's like that in and, and those simple. So I got trained on on active listening. I got trained on layering questions and I actually implemented layering questions very specifically for me because I'm so I get into neuro linguistic programming and, and that type of stuff, too. And this visual auditory and kinesthetics. I'm a very visual like talk fast, use my hands to communicate. So when somebody yeah. asks me a question, my immediate gut is to answer that question because I've heard it before. I'm pretty sure, sure. I know what you're talking about. Here it is. I've had to slow down myself because a lot of times I'm answering the wrong question or not really the question, you know, they're asking, or I'm assuming that the answer is this. So I've used layering questions specifically and practiced them to slow myself down and get much better insights from what the clients truly exactly. asking. Right. So that's so solid, man. I'm telling you guys, if you're watching and listening to this right now, like I would rewind three minutes and listen to John go through that again, because that that is something where I see sales reps falling on their sword over and over and over again. And they don't realize what's happening. It's because you're missing the connection. You're missing a connection by not doing the layering questions that John just described. Love it. Cool, man. Well, I think we like this. I think we could have this conversation for the next eight hours for crying out loud. No doubt. No doubt. I'm a big fan of, of learning from experts and also the military. Just to give you a sense, my mom started a uh, uh, arts and the veterans uh, program down in uh, Virginia. So right. if you're actually uh, down in Virginia, if you know anybody in Virginia, uh, the, the she, I'll, I'll, I'll put the link in here too. Please. It's uh, veterans in the arts. It's t- she's an art therapist or she was an art therapist. And she uh, works at a place that uh, has a concert hall effectively and brings veterans in and uses music cool. to help them reassimilate and, and address some of the challenges that they're dressed with. So all, uh, and by the way, all this going back to your tagline, right? Uh, all yep. in or nothing. Mine's yep. make it happen. You got that store uh, and a hundred percent of those proceeds go to the veterans in the arts. Right. So. Oh, love that, man. Anyways, but uh, Bill, again, give everybody uh, what's the best way to follow you. Get your book because I think this thing's going to be fire, man. I, I appreciate you sending me the link to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it myself here. My pleasure, man. Um, uh, tell everybody where they can find out more information about this and what they can do here. Yeah. So so whitecollarwarriorbook.com is the best site to go to because you can order there once you get your receipt from either Amazon or Barnes & Noble, put that code in. There are free resources there. There's a reader's guide, a summary, a leader's guide if some of you manage other salespeople. It's a great way to really double down on the content and execute, not just read it and say, yeah, that was good. It's do something with it. So, And on social, I'm Coach Bill Hart. You'll find me. So. It's been great hanging with you, John. I appreciate the opportunity. Let's stay connected. And if there's everything, anything I can do for your audience, let me know what that would be. I appreciate it. And, and by the way, you do individual coaching, right? Correct. Or you, okay, cool. Because I got a lot of people who ask me for individual coaches. So I'll, I'll make sure we point them your way. Um, and everybody, again, thank you so much for listening here. Uh, as always, ask whatever questions you have anytime, day or night. 
Um, and again, uh, if you liked this podcast, if you like the podcast in general, do me a favor, take a, a quick screencast of what you're watching here or uh, the, the podcast itself on your iPhone or something like that. Post that out there on LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever you want to do. Tag me and then at the end of this week, we're going to choose a, a winner there and send them over a whole bunch of make it happen swag and all that sort of stuff. Keep the ball rolling. All right. Cool. Thanks again, Bill. Uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, John. Take Everybody care. Have a great day. Later.